Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. You don't want to build a family that your children reject or have to recover from. I shouldn't have had to spend my 30s, I meant my 20s, getting over my childhood. And neither should Karen. And I bless my parents. They were better people than they should have been. My 20s should have been a time for me to be able to, to grow and learn and become. And when you raise children properly, they don't have to get over you. When you raise children properly, you give them the advantage that maybe you didn't have. And for some of you in this series, for some of you, you're like Karen and me. You will be the first generation in your family to have a godly family. We are the first generation. There was not a generation before us. And I wish I could sit here. Sometimes I'll I'll listen to someone and they'll say, yeah, I'm a five-generation preacher. And when I hear someone say, I'm a fourth or fifth-generation Christian, I love that. That's the way it ought to be. But for some of us, that's not what we had. And in this series, what I want to do is to teach you how to build a godly family, to build a family that lasts, a loving, honest, safe, godly family. Now, this is a scripture, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended. The floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so this is a promise now that Jesus is making and just a very simple promise. Jesus says, if you will listen to my words and obey them, you're like a wise person building a house on the rock, a sure foundation. But if you hear my words and reject them, you're like a foolish person building her house on the, sand, on the sand. There are three promises in this little text that we just read here. Number one promise is Jesus promises serious difficulties in all of our lives. See, the thing that the rock people and the sand people have in common is rain, floods, and wind. He, he promises it to everybody. And so understand in this life, the reason that you need a sure foundation is because there's gonna be difficulty. Well, let me ask this question. Why would anybody be foolish enough to build a house without a foundation? I mean, if you were driving down the street and you saw someone building a fabulous house without a foundation, I mean, you would understand how foolish that was. Because in, to build a house without a foundation, you have to utterly reject reality. There might be rain. There's gonna be a whole lot of rain, isn't there? A lot of rain, tornadoes you know, hail, whatever there is. When you see a person building a house without a foundation, you're thinking that's an extremely 
presumptuous, arrogant person who's divorced himself from reality. Well, why would a person build a life not on the word of God? Because they've utterly rejected spiritual reality. So what reality are you talking about, Pastor Jimmy? An evil devil is gonna try to destroy your life. Take that to the bank. He hates your guts. Jesus said the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he said in John 10. He's gonna come to your life to steal, kill, and destroy. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he said the devil is like a prowling uh, lion going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus used the word destroy and Peter used the word devour. The devil wants to destroy and devour you and he will attack your marriage, he will attack your children, he will attack your family, he will attack your health, he will attack your finances, he will attack your reputation, he'll attack everything precious in your life and if you don't believe that, you're not living in reality. He's coming for you, he's coming for you. He's attacked our marriage, he's attacked our children, he's attacked our family, he's attacked our health, he's attacked everything that we have and he'll keep attacking it. And the only reason I'm standing here right now is I have stood on the word of God. My life has been built on the word of God. It's a promise, we're not special, we're not smarter. It's just a promise for anyone who hears the word of God and obeys it. Jesus promises, this is the second promise by the way. The second promise is success. Jesus promises success and security and success to those who obey his word. He said, it's gonna work. Even though the rains come and the floods come and the winds blow, your house will stand because it's built on a sure foundation. Matthew 7, this analogy, Jesus re refers to his word as being a sure foundation in the storm. Ephesians 6 tells us that the word of God is the sword of the spirit that slays the enemy. Psalm 119 tells us that the word of God is the light in the darkness that shows the way. And let me say, when you're building your life on the word, you're invincible. The devil can't beat you. The, the devil, when you're living your life on the word, you do not need to be afraid of the devil. He needs to be afraid of you. You're building on a sure foundation. You've got the sword of the spirit. You're walking in the light. And the Bible goes on and on to say the importance of the word of God. But listen, it's in the devil's best interest that you don't believe what I'm saying. He's counting on you not believing what I'm saying. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. And he wants to destroy everything precious in your life and he wants to wreck every dream that you have and turn it into a nightmare. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he may devour people who aren't living their lives on the word. He may devour them. Permission granted. And Jesus also promises, this is the third promise. Jesus promises failure to every person and family that disobeys his word. Jesus said, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell, listen, and great was its fall. And great was its fall. Devastation, family devastation. In my, you know, as I've lived my life and, and lived my life in ministry, I can't tell you how many stories of devastation that I hear every week, every week. There's not a week that goes by that I don't, I don't hear about another family and the devastation of another family and, and always they're playing games. Always they're either living in sin or they're playing games with God. 
And when you, when you find a, a, a family that is on their way to devastation, they'll always say something like this, I believe the Bible, but. See, Jesus said, they heard my words, they just wouldn't do them. And people who are on their way to destruction, many of them believe the Bible. I mean, they, they just don't wanna do it because it's too hard. I believe the Bible, but you don't know my situation. I, don't, I believe the Bible, but I just can't forgive them. I, I believe the Bible, but I was born this way. You shouldn't say I believe the Bible, but you should say I believe the Bible and. Amen. I believe the Bible, and because of that, I'm gonna forsake my sinful lifestyle. I believe the Bible, and because of that, I'm gonna repent of my sins, and I'm gonna get rid of the friends that are trying to lead me into more sin. Whatever the Bible says, I'm not gonna find an excuse for it. I'm gonna find a reason to do the right thing. Jesus promises failure, and the question then is, why would anybody build on sand then? And it's really kind of a simple answer. First of all, sand is more comfortable. You know, I mean, it just is. I love, Karen and I love going to the beach because it's just so comfortable. It's easy. Listen, it's easy living in sin until the devastation hits. I, let me say personally, I love sin. I do, except for that death thing. <laughs> the wages of sin is death. I personally love sin. It's just that death thing I don't like. Oh, it's very comfortable. Very comfortable. The other thing is more popular. When you go to the beach, people aren't laying up on the rocks. They're down on the sand. In the world today, people are on the sand and they're persecuting the people on the rocks. So if you wanna be popular in our world, you're not gonna be a biblical Christian. You're gonna find a more popular spot. And it's conformable, sand is conformable. When you lay down on sand and get up, it looks like you. When you lay down on rock and get up, you look like it. Right? See, Jesus isn't gonna conform to anything we want him to be like. He's not your little plastic Jesus that you massage around to be whatever you want and dress him in your own clothes. Jesus is Jesus and he ain't changing for nobody. And we can accept him for who he is or reject him, but Jesus is Jesus. And in our world today, we have a custom-made Christianity. Take what you want, leave what you want, believe what in the Bible what you want, don't believe what you want, and I'm a Christian in spite of my sinful lifestyle. And I'm telling you right now, that's not what Jesus is into. He doesn't conform to me, I conform to him. But that's what people love about the sand. Custom-made Christianity, custom-made religion, anything that I want, when I want, it's comfortable, it's popular, and it's conformable. Not the rock. The rock is certainly not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. It's certainly not popular, especially in the world that we live in, and it doesn't conform to me. I have to conform to it. But let me say something. When difficulty hits, it is the most peaceful place on earth. And when you're building your family, you don't lose one toothpick in the storm. Your family isn't hurt, your marriage lasts, your children survive, your finances succeed. Everything in your life is blessed upon that rock. And sometimes it's harder and sometimes you lose friends over it. But let me just tell you something, in the long run, it's the only place to build your life. So I'm gonna tell you how to build your family to last real quickly. Number one, surrender your life and your family to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And I wanna, I wanna make a statement here. This is kind of a shocking statement, really. L listen to what I'm saying. In a godly family, there's not a dominant person. If, if there's a dominant person in your family, it is not a good family. Now, when I do, I do a, a poll all over the world. I've done this poll in hundreds of thousands of people, live audience. And it typically is like in a marriage seminar. 
And I don't want you to answer this, and I don't do this in church because of everybody's related, and I don't want you embarrassed. But here, here's the question that I ask. Um, don't, don't answer this. How many of you were raised in a family where one of your parents was clearly dominant over the other parent? Now, when I ask that question, 70% of hands immediately go up. Not a second delay. Like, okay, and I'm gonna raise my hand because I was, okay. And then I ask this question. How many of you believe that was negative in your family? 70% of hands immediately go back up. Let me say this. If you're a dominant person and you're dominating your family and the main thing in your family is for you to get your way, you have taken Jesus' place in your family. Your, your family is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I was a dominant husband. I was a dominant man until I repented and became a godly husband. Let me say this. Karen and I never talk about who the boss in our family is because our boss of our family is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we make every decision together. We make every decision together. We don't dominate each other. We don't browbeat each other. We don't make each other pay a price for saying how we feel. We talk and we pray until we make a decision. Every decision is made under the lordship of Jesus Christ with us being equals. But if Karen dominated me, or if I dominated Karen, Jesus isn't the Lord. You have a dominant person trying to run the family. You submit, surrender your family to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and together seek his will until you hear him. Number two way to build a family that lasts. Be willing to do the hard and unpopular things that God tells you to do. That, that's why you know you're building on the rock. Some things are hard. Some things aren't easy. See, people, people that build their lives on the sand, most of them believe the Bible. They just don't do it because it's hard. And you say, you know, you ought to forgive that person that abused you growing up. Well, I can't, it's just too hard. Well, part of being a Christian is doing things that are hard that other people don't do. Let me tell you something, you talk about hard forgiveness, you don't think it was hard for Jesus to look down from the cross and to forgive the people who put him there? And no one has done to us anything close to what they did to Jesus. If Jesus could forgive the people that crucified him, we can forgive everybody that we need to forgive. You treat your wife right. Well, it's just too hard, Pastor Jimmy. Living with you probably isn't easy, you know. Some, some lady just said amen. You know, I heard a big amen from somebody out there. Love your husband in spite of his faults. Tithe, pray, put your finances on the foundation of God's word. Stand for God when people are criticizing you and rejecting you because of your faith in Jesus. Don't cave in the midst of this ungodly generation. You stand for Jesus and you stand upon his word. You say, well, Pastor Jimmy, that's hard. That's right, it is hard. When you have a rock underneath you, sometimes it's hard. But whenever bad times come, you need to thank God something hard's underneath you. A godly life is built doing the hard thing and the right thing. And that's where an easy life comes from. Peace comes from successful warfare and building your life, being diligent and building your life. And when everybody else's life is falling apart, yours is peaceful. When everybody else is losing, you're gaining. You build your life on the word of God and sometimes it means doing the hard thing, staying in a marriage when you don't wanna stay. Doing the right thing when you don't feel like doing the right thing. Number three, think about the generational effects of your behavior and plan accordingly. We're talking about building a family that lasts. Think about the generational effects of your behavior and plan accordingly. 
A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. I heard, I hear stories about my, my family um, when, you know, my, my descendants and my family. And sometimes when I hear those stories, I, I think this to myself. What were they thinking about? D- didn't they understand the devastation that that was gonna send for generations? Because part of what I was raised in wasn't just my parents' issues, it was generational issues that my parents also inherited. Let me, say, let me ask you a question. Are your children gonna have to recover from you? Are your children gonna get blessed by you? A good man, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Everything I do is affecting my great-grandchildren. Everything I do. The Bible says that God visits the iniquities of the fathers to the children, to the third and fourth generations. Everything I do, right or wrong, is affecting generations in my family. Let me ask you another question. What are future generations gonna say about you? Are they gonna be in therapy? Forgiving you? Are they gonna refer to you as the person who devastated the family? Or are they gonna be sitting there one day saying, you know something, this blessing came from my grandfather, my grandmother. This blessing came from my mother and my father. They loved me, they raised us right. They sacrificed for us. Will you be a godly person? Will you be a person that generationally blesses your children and grandchildren? If you do, you'll have to plan on that. You will have to make a decision that says, my grandchildren are gonna talk well of me. My children are gonna talk well of me. I'm not gonna give them everything they want. I'm not gonna spoil them that way. But I'm gonna love them, and I'm gonna be a godly example to them. And this is the last thing. Keep your family in committed fellowship in a Bible-preaching and believing church where they can be grounded spiritually, held accountable, and build strong relationships. One of the most important things that Karen and I did when we were young is we said we're gonna raise our kids in church. You will be like your friends. You are, your children are gonna be like their friends. And we need to have a group of people that we're with on a regular, committed basis that we can encourage each other, that we can hold each other accountable, and that we can just hold each other's arms up, especially if we're in the midst of a battle. I'm saying, don't build a one-generational family that your kids reject and have to recover from. And some of you have lived in that life, and you know what I'm talking about. Build a family that lasts for generations. And generations from now, the the blessing of your life, the blessing of your love and your sacrifice is still blessing them. I said this earlier, let me say it one more time. Karen and I are first generation. When you go back before us, you can't find people living for God. And some of you have come out of utter devastation from the family that you came out of. Would you be the first generation to change that? Would you be the person in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your issues that you've brought from your family? Would you be the person that stands up and says, God, heal me, and I will be a righteous parent, a righteous family member to build a family that lasts. Hey, we're Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today, and we're talking today about what it means to build a godly family that will last. 
And the great news about this is that even if you weren't raised that way, even if you weren't raised in a godly family, or even if up to this point you haven't built your family on biblical foundations, you can start today and create a whole new legacy. We've got some great questions uh, from our watchers, our, our viewers that we're gonna answer right now. That's right, our first question is, we have two independent children. How can we effectively guide and support our kids? Their wrong choices are causing stress in our marriage. Yeah, that would definitely cause stress. And oh, yeah. when, when kids are little, you know, you have at least the illusion of control over the situation. And then once once they get older, once they're independent, like in this situation, and you're seeing them make choices that are not what you taught them, and you can see that the train wreck is coming, you know, their choices are going to cause pain. That can be so stressful. And so what do parents do in that situation? I would say, number one, you have to stay a unified front. You cannot let your kids kind of put you against each other. And I know we try to remember this when we're raising our kids, but it, it goes the same when they're older. We need to stay on the same page. We need to see this as something that's not going to pin us against one another. And then we can approach our kids, you know, in a unified way. And if we have concerns, we can voice them to our kids, you know, and approach them as adults because they're no longer children and really point out what they're doing right. I think sometimes it's easy to hyper-focus on what needs to change, what they're doing wrong. But before we, we point out those things, those criticisms maybe, we need to point out what they're doing right. No, that's, that's so true. That's great wisdom. And, and in addition to that, just remember that, you know, once your kids are grown, they're making the, their own choices, your influence in their life isn't going to be based on authority anymore. It's going to be based on just relational influence that comes by right. investing in your relationship with them, being an encourager, being a servant, looking for ways to help serve their needs, not to enable a lazy lifestyle or anything like that, but just by letting them know that you're there for them, you love them, um, that's going to bring influence. And when they do hit those hard times, you're going to be one they want to come to that you can point them in the right direction. But don't allow it to stress you out because ultimately once they're grown, their decisions, they're accountable to God. Right. Um, but you don't have to worry. You don't have to carry that burden because you keep loving them, you keep praying for them, but ultimately don't let it steal your joy. Uh, I mean, look at God. He's the perfect parent. He has lots of kids who make bad choices every day, which I know yeah. breaks his heart. That doesn't mean he's a bad father. It means that we're sinful and rebellious. And sometimes we, people have to learn the hard way. They have to see for themselves that the stove is really hot. So keep unity in your marriage. All right, on to question number two. And this is a great one. What can you do to make God real to your children on a daily basis? One of the greatest gifts we can give our children, one of the most important aspects of building a godly family and giving our children a foundation of faith is to, is to impart this to them. And so how do yes. parents do this? How do you put that love of Jesus in their hearts from a young age? I think this is such a great question, and I love this because I think there are so many things we can do. First and foremost, pray out loud with your kids. Let them see your prayer life. Bring that into them. And then when God answers the prayer, point that out to them and celebrate that. You know, one thing we love to do with our three-year-old is we like to go through his day with him every night. He says, can you tell me about my day? And we, we go through it. You know, did you wake up and have a great breakfast? Did you go and spend time with your friends? Did you do this and that? We, we go through everything and we say, thank you, God, for this wonderful day. And every time he repeats it and he says, thank you, God, for this wonderful day. And when we see something in nature, we say, look at what God made. Look at the intricacies of that butterfly. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God an amazing creator? And you know, when you do that to your kids, you're just bringing God's creation to life. You're bringing his blessings to life and it's infectious. It absolutely is. And then as the children get older and they start facing, you know, real difficulties with yeah. friends and with dealing with failure and disappointment in different ways. Then you come alongside them and you talk about what God says in those moments, that he has hope for us, he has instruction for us and encouragement for us. 
in those times when we don't know where else to turn. And as your kids see in you, through your example, that you really love Jesus and, and that Jesus brings peace to your life, they're gonna want that too. It's not about being perfect, because apart from God, there are no perfect parents, but it's about being authentic and it's about being real and living out a kind of faith that isn't just about rules and legalism, but that's rooted in relationships. First, a relationship with Jesus and then a joyful relationship with each other. And that's gonna create, as Ashley said, an, an infectious faith, a faith that they wanna have as well, man, those, those are great thoughts. That's right. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at marriagetoday.com. We'll see you next time. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and wanna keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.